We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date. Detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. Come on, side, side, side. What up, y'all? This is Ed Lover. It's time for another Come On Side, the podcast. Now, listen, ladies and gentlemen, it is not every day in my life that I get to sit down with an iconic music person. Um... I can't sit down with Michael Jackson. He's gone. I can't sit down with Prince. He's gone. I can't sit down with Marvin Gaye. He's gone. I can't sit down with Luther Vandross. He's gone. Can't sit down and ask Jam Master J about the early days of Run DMC. He's not here. Can't ask MCA from the Beastie Boys. He's not here. I can't ask Aaliyah. She's not here. I can't interview Tupac anymore. He's not here. I can't introduce and uh, in, interview Biggie anymore. Because Biggie's gone. And the list goes on and on and on. From Ray Charles all the way to John Lennon. These are musical icons. These are people that were there on the early, early parts of their craft, of their culture. Rick James is gone. Tina Marie is gone. I can't interview these people. I have a musical icon today. Agree or disagree, but when we're talking about top five, we have to talk top five MCs. We have to talk about different eras. There were different eras in hip-hop. That's why you can't bunch everybody together and just say this is the top five of all time. But in the beginning era of hip-hop, before there were records, okay, when there was crews that were doing park shows and, and, and shows in after-school centers and people would rent out VFW halls and throw shows. I'm talking about the Fantastic Romantic Five, the Cold Crush Brothers, Grandmaster Flash, Flash excuse me, and the Furious Four. Before Raheem, there's a group out there called the Treacherous Three. And this brother, to me, falls into the top five of the first group. Melly Mel, Grandmaster Kaz, and ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Mr. Kumo D. On a come on, son, it's the podcast. Our esteemed guest, I, I don't think, uh, needs any introduction. He is one of the greatest poets and orators and MCs and all of that stuff that you could put together. Mr. Kumo D is in the building. Woo! <laughs> yes, right. That's right. My man Kumo D is in the building. Kumo D, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank it you. It is hey, a man. pleasure to have you. When did the Treacherous Three start? Oh. Give me a year. Put a year on it. 1978. 1978. Bloody Elmo. I yeah. was eight. 
<laughs> I was 16. Yeah. 16 years old, 1978. Yeah. How did how did you start that group? Who started? Who came together and said, we need to rap together? Uh, let's go real raw. We were watching everything that was happening at the time. Uh, Grandmaster Flash, who had three MCs, which is where I got the idea from. Mm -hmm. uh, Kid Creole, Millie Mellon, Cowboy. And I was a Love Bug Starsky fan, because that's hip-hop for us was Love Bug in Hollywood. That was the okay. first place. So the Bronx comes down to Audubon Ballroom, and we're like, oh, okay, so these guys are on the stage, Love Bug's on the floor, because that, that was the headline at the point. Had the red ropes, couldn't get behind the ropes. And I never forget, Love Bug is doing this thing, and we're like, yeah, Love Bug is killing it. And then this lighting guy said, turn, 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 your music, music, down, 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 Love Bug. And we're like, who the hell is that? And it's Creole. Love Bug, turn, 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 your music, music, down, 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 down. And we like hollering, like, man, what is guys telling Love Bug to turn his music down like that or whatever? And Love Bug said, you know, he's, it was like a little rivalry thing. He's like, yeah, you know, uh, two hours a piece or whatever, but the party starts again at four. We're going to shut it down, take a call, so the pause of you and yours, go ahead. Have, like, don't dance to this. Like, I'll be back in two hours. Oh, wow. They turn the music down, they turn all the lights out. Kid Creole said, ladies and gentlemen, the sound that you hear is going to be so rare, but have no fear, the Graham Masters here, here, here. And I went from hating to riding in like, Ten seconds. Wow. Like, who are these? Who are these guys? Oh, oh, you, 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 ready, ready, ready. Bing, bing. And we were on the Michael Jackson. The you know we on the dance kind of thing in Harlem. Breakbeats came in, totally took my brain to a level that I had never even imagined. Wow. They said, "Are you ready?" Light came on. Cowboy sitting in the chair. Rock, rock. It don't stop. I keep on. And that was the first time I heard an MC use his real voice because everybody rhymed like this. Right. That's on. right. <laughs> That's your life. Let's go to work. Yes, 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 sir. Come on. <laughs> so I'm hearing Cowboy, and he's and the, the dopest thing, it sounds simple now, but he spelled his name out, and that was the beginning of like, oh, wow, this is another way to do this. I'm the C-O-W-B-O, protecting the man is bad. You can't do that. And when you ask the Cowboy to play, I said, do, 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 do. He never ran away. Bing, bing. I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. This Welcome to the Mardi Gras by, by uh, the Absolutely. one and only. Wow. Mardi Gras. He passed yes. the mic to Melly Mel, and that's the absolute moment. Melly Mel said, I'll make Alaska hot. I'll make Africa cold. Stop Nat King Cole from playing a role. Move on down his family tree. I hit his wife. And Natalie, I'll make him toot the horn and tip the hat. And you can't beat that with a baseball bat. Melly Mel, rocking the well from the world trade to the depths of hell. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. We got to get a group together. <laughs> that, was, right. that was the moment, 1978. That was it right there. That was it right and you there. Start, and you started writing rhymes from there Well, together. we were already writing rhymes. But it was really like, you know, come on. To right. the beat, it was real, you I know. I need you to stop saying come on. To the beat. That's how we rock. <laughs> He's right. That's the beat. That's how everybody rides. To the beat, the beat, the beat, right. Absolutely. Oh, my God. <laughs> we absolutely emulated everybody that yes. we saw come yes, before. Yes, yes, That's the way it, when, when the tapes used to circulate <clears throat> yes. from the Bronx and make their way up to Harlem and somehow got across that uh, Charborough Bridge and made their yes, way out to Jamaica, yes. Queens, we emulated what Hollywood was exactly. doing. And Hollywood was that guy. He was the man, without question. And Hollywood got so hot that he could book like five shows in different boroughs and just go in and do his 10-minute thing and bounce. 10-minute thing. And, like, he was everywhere in the whole city. Like, wondering, how's he going to be everywhere? And he was coming in. And I remember Flash saying, telling me a story about him trying to compete with Hollywood. He bringing all his equipment. And Hollywood was like, come in, get on 10 minutes, out. And he's like, I'm stuck there. I got a muscle crew. I got to lift all this stuff back or whatever. And Hollywood's killing him, making all the money. Wow. But, uh, that paradigm shift to me happened with, with Grandmaster Flash and those guys because they caught fire. And that was also the same night that I first, I don't know if he started it that night, but the first time I saw him do the backspin, like, my mind was literally blown. So when I got back to, to uh, Harlem, 
Uh, L.A. Sunshine was already rhyming, and Spoonie G was already rhyming. That's the original Treacherous Three. Mm-hmm. We all right. lived, we all lived in Harlem, and um, Spoonie G left and made, well, he didn't leave. We were waiting over practice. He made the Spooner rap one for the treble, two for the time, mm-hmm. which is why you hear that style is still kind of there. And I needed a replacement. I went to school, did my mm-hmm. fast rhyme thing in the lunchroom, and there was a guy named Special K who was basically the king of Norman Thomas at the time. And, you know, I, nobody knew I was rhyming. So I waited like a little assassin like I do. And then I got on one day and I did the <laughs> super scooper party poop. And I with all the super doing the crowd. Went, ah! And K was just looking at me. It's like a movie. Like, okay. Next day, he like, said, yo, come here. Let me show you something. Undefeated, never beat like He wanted to show me that he could do what I did. <laughs> right. In, in hip-hop law, that's biting. But I was right. like, but that was dope, though. Right. Like, Spoonie just left. You want to take Spoonie's place? And he was like, yeah, you know, I'll think about it. He gave me all of the attitude. We found out later he had just auditioned for Funky 4 and they said no. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And they said no because his name was K, and they had K.K. Rockwell already. And he was also calling himself K.K. So that was how, you know, uh, K replaced Spoonie G. We became Treacherous 3. Then after Spoonie's record cooled off, Spoonie was like, yo, K's not from here. Let's get back down, do what we do. And I was like, nah, you a little shaky on the leaving thing. Plus, I already put K down on my word. Let's make it Spoonie G and the Treacherous 3. Keep the ego saying, he's like, well, how are we going to split the money? I'm like, you take half, and I'll split the other halves with the other cats. And that was the beginning of it. Then okay. he left again, went to so Sugar Hill. So for a while, there was, it was Spoonie G and yes. the Treacherous Three. Three. And he exactly. got half, and then you got half and split and with split the others. Exactly. Look at me. What's wrong with you? I'm, <laughs> ego, heart, word, a whole no, lot of that stuff No, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong I was with you. definitely, like, definitely no. like, in my opinion, I just thought that we were dope enough to do what we needed to right. do. And I didn't trust Spoonie leaving, and I didn't want, you know, that inconsistency or whatever. And he so did leave again. when he left, is that when from the north, and went, did Spoonie G go off? That's uh, all of that? No, we did that record because his uncle was Bobby Robinson. Got it. Uh, the first, you know, Enjoy Records. And he said, my, and he wasn't going to tell us until we put him back down. We said, yeah, you could be back down. He's like, all right, let's go make a record. My, my uncle owns a record shop, Bobby Robinson. And he did the love rap on one side. Okay. He did the rap language on the other side. Love rap became a breakbeat. And this when he left again, got to Sugar Hill, got with, <laughs> oh my got gosh. with the uh, Jam, Jam, Monster Jam, got with right. Sequence, did the Sequence record, and then we did At the Party, Body Rock, Heartbeat, and okay. Kaboom. Wow. And y'all did all of that, all of those records where? Sugar Hill? No, Enjoy was the y'all first record. Y'all did Enjoy. Yeah, Enjoy. That was 1980. Right. What was your first record? The very first record, Treacherous 3. The new rap language. Uh, we rock, it don't stop. Well, it's a super califragilistic. Okay, there it is. Like, you know, and I remember, yes. and, and you know how you you feel good about it, but you play it, and your boys is like, yeah, like that's cool, like all right, like we know you can rhyme, but you know that ain't a that ain't a joint, right? And that's when you started realizing for us, because we had in that first wave of making records, we had no hooks. Mm. Curtis Blow was the first guy to put a hook on a record. Wow, these are the breaks. Before that, it was just a chicken that tastes like wood and Melly Mel and everybody. We just do it like rhyme after rhyme after rhyme like a party. Curtis Blow's the first one to put a hook there, and that's what gave me the songwriting idea. Like, okay, you okay. got to come up with something that they can catch on to. Mm. What's so, your first hit? Body Rock was the first street hit. Feel a Heartbeat was the first actual. Who, who came the with the idea of, of doing Feel a Heartbeat? Me. You did? Yes, that's why. I, I found out, okay, true stories again. <laughs> I'm, I'm the most naive dude in Harlem. I'm thinking... I'm one of the many that don't get high. I was the only one that didn't get high. In my crew, even. <laughs> right. So, they, you know, they're keeping it from you or whatever. So, I'm in Harlem World. I swear I hear boom, 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 boom. Because they used to get the records in, in the pools back in the day before yes. they were on the radio. Doom, 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 doom. I'm like, what is that? You know, in the, in the speaker. You standing by the speaker, sound crazy. I run over. I'm like, yo, L.A. He's with two guys that I don't know. He turns around. He got all the white on his nose. Like, what? And they look at me like, who is the square messing up our high right now? Oh, my God. And that's, I'm like, oh, wait, you get high. 
yo, we got to do a record on this record right here, blah, 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 blah. I was like, I was out of my mind. I, let, I listened to the record. They played it like for an hour in, in the Harlem world. And then I just said, we got to do something with the heartbeats. Mm-hmm. I wrote the record, wrote the routine or whatever. They did their own rhymes, but I wrote the routine, skipping the jump, and they could play an old bump, but a bump, 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 bumpity bump. Right. Brand new hit. So, yeah, for that, and we were on Enjoy. And Bobby didn't have any juice from what we thought because we never heard anything on the radio that he did. And Frankie Crocker wouldn't play the record. Of course he wouldn't. But Hot 97 was just coming. I mean, um, 98 Some Kiss was just right. coming up. Right. And they were using that as a way to get to the next audience. So 92 KDU. Do you remember, with, with, because we're all, Moni moved to New York when she was very young. Do you remember when WBLS, which was the, the station in New York that Frankie Crocker ran, his program yes. director? Do you remember the, the, uh, the little... Snippets of stuff that they used to run that say that they did not did play not rap. Did not play rap. Absolutely. You I tell everybody Are all the time. Are you serious? Yeah. I play, play, play. No, no, no rap. Wait, no, no, no rap. No rap. Ed, for real? Absolutely. Yes. That was because the campaign. By the time that was I got, campaign. By the time, no just like rap. Ed said, by the time I got here, there was Friday night and Saturday night. That wasn't even We right. had Friday night. No. So you're telling me no. No. that what no. you're talking about was being said was like yes. shots yes. being taken towards hip hop. Yeah, absolutely. Frankie was, was, he was no the biggest. Rap. He was the biggest thing in New York at the time. He was the yes. hottest thing. And then the pressure got so big because uh, 98.7 got, got Red Alert and Chuck Chill Out. Right. And then Magic, you know, all of a sudden, as a counter, they had to get Magic to come to BLS because they needed a hip hop. So power. how did that happen? How did that work then, Ed? I mean, how did, did Frankie Crocker just accept his foot in his mouth at that point? Well, after, I don't remember if it was before or after Frankie Crocker went to jail for uh, payola. Right. <laughs> okay. But everybody listened to Frankie Crocker because you knew, and, Kum- and Kumo, did you can attest there to this, I you go, knew there I go, it was there 7 o'clock. When you, heard, when you heard that, it was 7 <laughs> o'clock on the dot. Yes. He played that record every night every at night. 7 o'clock on the dot. So you knew what time it was. Mm-hmm. And Frankie pretty much ran New York radio. Yes, if it didn't go through Frankie Crocker, it was not a hit. Wow. The yep. first time I ever heard Missing You by the Rolling Stones, Frankie Crocker played yes. it on WBLS. Really? Yeah. Yes. He had the vo- he he was the voice. He was definitely He was absolutely the, voice. the real true voice in New York, but he did not catch the hip hop thing. He thought it wow. was a fad. As and, did yeah, a whole lot like of a lot people. of the other people. And 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 the wave that was coming on too. Uh, 92 KTU Paco. They used to play a lot of Puerto Rican, right? Re- but they would play hip hop in the middle of that also. Uh, so we listened to Kit. We were only going back and forth from Kiss to KTU. Uh-huh. So yeah, right. that, that was the that was the counter. And and Mr. Magic, whether you believe it or not, was HBI was on like two in the morning to four. But he got so big because literally anybody sixteen and under, nineteen and under, really tuned into Mr. Magic. Wow. That's how Mr. Magic, and he's the first one to actually play the records. On the air, but huh. you get on it two in the morning. I never forget. We heard at the party. That was our first record we heard on the radio, and I know LA was. Uh, I'll be truthful. Smacking his girl around. <laughs> we went in the house, and he's like, "Wait, wait, that's your record!" Ah! They start hugging like it was a, uh, literally like the five heartbeats. Oh my gosh. Wow. So yeah, we heard the record. We stood up, but we we literally were in order here. Do you have on the radio. any idea when you all became worldly? Like, do you remember when Arthur Baker approached you about Beat Street? The movie? Uh, the guy, it was, uh, what's his name? Stephen Hager, the writer, which uh-huh. is another one of our treacherous three sad stories. We're going to make a movie about you guys, which is why you have Double K, Charlay, and Raymo. Got it. That I was going to fig- be the three Okay, of us. go ahead. And, they, and Harry Belafonte and David Pickett got involved, and they rewrote and did what they did or whatever. And we went from being the movie to being some Santa Claus shit in the movie. No, but do, <laughs> no, no, but that's what I'm saying. That was what got us overseas. Yeah. You got us. Like, all I can remember is Kiss My Mistletoe. 
Ho, 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 ho. And I know you cringe. I'm, I'm glad y'all liked it. I know you cringe. <laughs> I know you cringe, but that was, that was it. From there, we started creating our own pseudo wow. world of what was going on wow. in New York. We created it in England. We created it in France, Italy, Germany. That's, That's crazy. what That is what brought y'all to us. Well, we were under that pressure that he was just talking about where not only they say we play no rap, everybody thought it was going to be a fad. So the adult generation that kind of brought us in, whether it's Bobby Robinson and Sylvia Robinson and those people or whatever, they really didn't invest in it. So we had very little control of what we would actually do. So when we actually do Beat Street, which is why you hear that, that Tin Pan beat, we couldn't do our own beats. It's like, this is what y'all are rhyming on. And oh, this wow. is what we want y'all to say. Like, I would have never came up with no jingle jangle for the Poe. That was Harry Belafonte. Like, well, that's I want something like that, which basically meant I want that. Okay. So we had to write to that and do that or whatever. Right. Which is why for us, and there's a whole mythology about the old school, new school too, because when Run DMC came out, I never forget this. It's like that. And I remember thinking, okay, that's kind of like the message, but it's a, the Sonics is a little different. This is just something heavy there. It was more Africa, Bambada, and the Soul Sonic Force. They was, they was 82, yeah, right. absolutely. But 83, when running them came with the, it's like that, and they flipped it over in the B side, which was Suck MC, a lot of mm-hmm. people don't know that. That's the one that really, really yeah, took off. And that was when we were like, why can't we do it like that? We never even thought that we could do a record with just the beat and that kind of amplified thing. And when that thing took off, man, we were almost, it created a schism because the new generation was coming. And unfortunately for us, my hero, Melly Mel at the time, he just wasn't having it. Like all of us didn't feel the way Mel felt, but he was the biggest of the old school cats. Right. And his, man, this new cat say nothing. Blah, blah, blah. So it created like, yo, we, we, we ain't saying this. Right. So we running into cats, and it I'm like, sounds like a conversation maybe happened yesterday. Yeah, sure that's crazy. It still happens today. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I, I I made it a point when I met Kane, when I met Rakim, KRS. I walked up to him as the elder and like, yo, I love what you do, X Y Z, blah 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 blah. Because Mel was just like, yeah yeah, I hear him. I heard him. He's good. He, he would never. Right. And I'm like, you know how much love is coming from the young cats, but you never got to get that love because of the way he approached it. So for me, man, it was like there was this unwritten law. Whereas old school, new school, and they were definitely writing us off, which is why for me to do Go See the Doctor, which is the the whole reason I changed my style at the time, Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh, which Doug knows this, when they did the Lottie Dottie thing, and I saw how New York went bananas over that, I was like, okay, the the lyrical high-tech stuff, you got to come with something else because... Once people adjust to your frequency at a certain level, it's like you can become passe, very, just the tone of your voice is like, ah. I was walking down. Nobody even knew it was me at first. Like, who? That, that's who? We did. Well, <laughs> y'all, y'all know, but I'm saying the people that came before, like, get that. I can't even believe he's doing that. So I right. did that and do you know what time it is, and that changed the whole paradigm. We Tell me about yeah. the infamous first, I guess people would say, and we're talking to Kumo D if you just joined us, I guess people would say the first real beef that they ever heard, individual beef, because there was always a crew against another crew. Right. But you against Busy, Busy B. B. Now that, again, I, I like to clear up mythology. There was no real beef. Spoonie and, and Busy B used to get high together. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I was the naive one, the one that wasn't getting high or whatever and didn't know everybody was. And um, Busy B was killing them with the contest or whatever. And I was just the host, kind of like what you doing on Saturday. Right. I was the host of the MC contest. And Busy B, he's doing his shtick. I didn't know what he was doing when he walked in. I'm knocking out all bums. I'm talking everybody out. I'm the chief rock of Busy B. You know I'm 18 and 0. I'm undefeated. I'm going to win, blah, 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 blah. And one guy in the crowd, the same instigating Harlem kind of, you won't beat Modi. And I'm standing there with the mic. 
Because I'm introducing, you know, who's coming up for the good oh, contest. No. You won't beat Modi. I don't care who it is. I'm knocking out all bums. Now, in my mind at the time, I'm like, did he just call me a bum? And did he just say, he's going to knock me out? <laughs> it sounded like it. <laughs> so, again, and I know he's doing his thing, not especially knowing Busy's heart and his spirit. That wasn't what he was going for. <laughs> right. But I guess you on the spot, you're not going to say, well, you're right. <laughs> like, right. I don't know what I expected him to say. So, from that point, I went in the bathroom. I went back and I wrote, literally, all I had from the top was, Hold on, Busy B, I don't mean to be bold, but put that body to ball BS on hold. And I came back, and I went, and I was writing, and writing, and I was, and truthfully, if you listen to the tape, I'm nervous because I don't know this rhyme yet, which is why in the middle, I revert to rhymes that I had already written, and people who knew me knew that, but I'm like, you in, you in the fight, you got to just keep going now right. at this point. But from the first line, nobody heard anything else that was being said anyway. Nope. Put that ball, did he, ah, That was it. Ah, they were going crazy, and, <laughs> which is funny. Mo D. Mo D. Could you please say the rhyme, brother? The whole rhyme? Say the rhyme, brother. With the curses and everything. Yes, sir. Say the rhyme. <laughs> so, because this is the first, and the reason why I want you to say this rhyme, and we will take the curses out where necessary. Okay. The reason why I want you to say this rhyme, because this is the first time I had heard anyone directly talk about another person. Right. Between crews, it was always we the crash crew and we the best, we're the best. Exactly. You directly talked about this man. (laughs) No subliminals. No No subliminals. subliminals. (laughs) No undercover nothing. Say the rhyme, please, Modi. That was the thing, man. Uh, Hold on, busy B. I don't mean to be bold, but put that ball, diddy ball bullshit on hold. (laughs) Gonna get right down to the nitty grit. Gonna tell you a little something why you ain't shit. And ain't an MC's jock that you don't hug. You even bit your name from the love bug. Now to bite a nigga's name is some lowdown shit. If you was money, man, you'd be counterfeit. (laughs) That was was, was harsh. When that tape came around to Queens and I got that tape from a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy (laughs) and popped that in and everybody was like, did you hear what Kumo D said about Busy? I was like, Kumo D for the Treacherous Three? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. You <laughs> do. Uh, how did that affect your relationship after that? Uh, it was terrible for the for the fact that we were cool. Like I said, I didn't hang. He hung with Spoonie because they right. were getting high together. And what people don't know is at the end of that, because of Charlie Rock and and and, and Son of Sam, they had the Harlem World Unlocked. That, that, that battle is actually a draw. That night is a draw. What nobody has on tape is the rematch, which we did three days later on New Year's Eve, because we did that one on, like, uh, December 28th, the contest or whatever. I had to do a show with the Disco Twins, and it was like a movie again, because my life is some movie-style movie, movie <laughs> style thing. So I'm rushing back. If I didn't get back by 2 o'clock, then Busy B is going to win by forfeit. I'm coming back. I'm literally, like, parking the car like, Lee, get it out. Yo, you park the car. I'm going in. And Busy B's on stage, and I told you he wasn't going to come. That last thing was a sneak attack, baby. He wasn't ready for me. I'm da, ba, ba. I'm still Chief Rocker. And then I open, and they open the door, and somebody said, he's here. <laughs> and everybody's leaving, too, and they all come back in, and I'm running through the crowd. It opens up, and I run and jump up on stage right in front of them. <sighs> the battle was over right then, as soon as I jumped in. <laughs> uh, so I know, you know. You know, the last time I got cheated, I really won, but it's a, it just says a try because it's business or whatever. But I know based on his limitations, I'm going to just tell you what he did right then. I turned my head around, clap, hand, everybody, come on, clap, hand. I said, nobody can do it like this busy beat. I did what he did. I said, I know that's what you just heard because that's all he got. Oh, wow. Wow. Now let's go to where we need to go. Oh One for the trouble. And did the new rhyme or whatever. Busy is buzzing because he is what he wasn't and he did what he doesn't. Damn, Mo. Damn, man. Mo D in the building. Oh, my God. Oh, just just so much history, man. When did you leave the Treacherous Three, and why did you leave? 
That's a nice, see, we cleaned up a lot of myths here. Thank you. I love this. <laughs> I never actually left the Treacherous Three. What happened was LA Sunshine got to the point we were not making money at Sugar Hill Records. Okay. And um, I used to always, when we got to the point of the breaking point, I would be the pep talk. Yo, we could do this. I got this new routine. I'm telling you X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. So LA's like, I'm going to wind up shooting Sylvia Robinson. <laughs> so I'm going to wind up killing her. I'm, I'm taking the vernacular together out of here. Right. I'm going to wind up killing that B. I'm telling you. I'm not going back in the studio and say, yo, I'm telling you. I got, you know, we do two records at a time. We did At the Party and Body Rock. We did Action and Can Can. We do two at a time, whatever. Heartbeat and Body, Book in the Body. I got two joints. Got rock and turn it up. I'm telling you, come back into the studio. I got this. We're going to kill him. Here's the routine, blah, blah. So I talked him in for one night, and he had that relationship with Mr. Magic. They used to call it the Pisces crew. Greg Knight, I mean, Greg G, right. uh, L.A. Sunshine, Mike C, and Mr. Magic. They were all Pisces. Rest in peace, Greg G, so, too. Greg yes, Mary. yes, yes, yes. Rest in peace, without question. So they were all, you know, the Pisces connection. We do the Gotta Rock party on the dance floor. Party people want more. Time to hear something from the Treacherous Three. But we didn't have the, the Sonics again. I'm sitting in there beating on the drum machine because I'm just not quitting under no circumstances. <laughs> the record gets a little buzz. Mr. Ma- he takes it down to Mr. Magic. Magic plays it. Treacherous 3 is back, you know, because they weren't expecting us. This is 85 now. Right. This is two years in the run, down with the Kings. I mean, like, the whole paradigm has shifted. Mm-hmm. And what's funny about old school cats, for me at least, when it shifts on you, you got to figure out, how do I stay me and do this? Right. There's a, there's a weird right. dynamic in that. And I went through that twice. So... In that space, they took it down, they played it, and I'm in the studio waiting for the next record. We're going to do Turn It Up. Three days. Yo, you heard from K? You're from L.A.? K? L.A.? Nope. They didn't come to the studio. K came in, put a lazy verse down. I'm like, yo, take it off. I'm just going to do it by myself. I did turn it up, and for two weeks, I had New York on lock. For two weeks, I did turn it up, and I hear this. Here we go. Come on. And that just took over. 85, I had Turn It Up for two weeks. Number one, Mr. Magic. Yo, people are calling in for Turn It Up. They're calling in for the Kumo D more than they are the Treacherous 3, which is the B-side, really. So more people were calling in on the Turn It Up than they were for Mm -hmm. Gotta Rock. So by default, I wound up being solo because the solo record I made hit harder, quicker. And then Dougie took over the summer with that show in Lottie Dottie. Speaking of Doug. Speaking of Dougie, we got Dougie on right now. Speaking of Dougie Fresh, we got Dougie on right about now. Mr. Dougie Fresh. Oh, we lost him? Yeah. Okay, we'll get back with Doug. That's okay. We'll get back with Doug. Doug's going to be late anyway. I don't know. (laughs) Shut up, Mo. We had him on, but we we were just so into talking to you. So right after that moment, that's when it kind of forced you. Right. Well, not even that, because even then, uh, again, heard L.A. was getting high. K wasn't really coming around or whatever, and I was still writing. And this is the point where after the show in Lottie Dottie took my summer, which is my joke for Doug, which I definitely hit him with that when we get on. Uh, They took my summer because I thought I had him. Showing Lottie Dottie was a monster, nothing you could do about it. Right. And I realized in Just Ice Latoya, that whole storytelling thing was really kind of mm-hmm. what was the next level yeah. of what you had to do. <clears throat> so I like, okay, I'm going to tone it all the way down. And I had a crazy ego at the time. So you know how hard it was for no. me to say I was walking down the street, rocking my beat, clapping my hands and stomping my feet. I'm cringing like. But I know I got something. I know I'm in the in the pocket of what it is and what you need to do. And it changed the Why, whole paradigm. Why it wasn't complicated enough for yeah, you? Yeah, I needed to. You know, I'm. I'm you know, yeah. so, and which is funny because when G rap <laughs> right after that, G rap, Rakim, Kane, and I'm like, that's what I want to exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I do. Right. Yes, that's walking me. down the street, rocking, and I'm running into them and like, yo, dude, if it wasn't for you, we're like. 
love, man. It's all yes. love. But I really, really want that. But once it shifts, you know, because it went from who you think is better between Modi and Melly Mel to who you think is better between Rockham and Kane. That's and right. The, the streets will just tell you. Like, you don't and you don't get no vote. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and they're asking me, yo, Mo, so what you think, Kane or Rakim? Like, Know me? Yeah, I'm nice too. Remember okay, me like, from the yeah, microphone? Yeah, 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 yeah. But what about these two? Like that's where it was, and, and right. it really, really. But I love those guys anyway, and and that was the beginning because doing do you know what time it is and go see the doctor solidified the solo thing because at that point I didn't have faith in them coming in the right. studio anymore. Right. And then after after you did that, you moved on. You went to Jive. What was it about? LL that made you say I'm bigger and better forget about Defa this is still one of my favorite rhymes every time I rock the mic I left a stain in your brain that will remain <laughs> stuck in the back of your brain till you see me I gain respect that's so fucking dope to me <laughs> like the way you put that together but what what did LL do to poke the, the lion the funny thing and and I had to take the I'll take the bad guy in this one because, again, I'm, I'm still dealing with my ego. I'm a lot cooler than Mel, in my opinion, in terms of the next wave of guys coming up. Okay. Right. And, and when I meet L... Mel, Mel was an angry bastard Whoa, about the next yeah, wave. He, he was happy. DMC the, the, and all the of that. The first was. person I heard him give credit to from any of the new wave was Kane. I think he saw Kane, and he said, I have nothing to say because that brother can rhyme, and he can perform, and most of these guys can either rhyme or just perform. They ain't really got the whole... But that Kane cat, he, yeah, he got it. <laughs> like, I was like, like Mel too. And, and, and another thing, you know, I could do the Mel. I could, <laughs> I could go to the Mel thing, but uh, yeah. So, so the LL thing. Uh, T. La Rock is K's brother. So T. La Rock is like, yo, man, L bit my thing. We heard, I need a beat. So I'm like, okay, that that's yeah. They have a new, yeah. The rhyme pattern to it's yours and right. I need a beat is very like, similar. But he's dope. Like, and this is the thing too. That's the biggest misnomer that people don't know again because we weren't talking to each other, which takes me into the Biggie Tupac thing. If we talk to each other, we don't have the beef that we have. But we didn't, you know, black ego, hood, posturing and all of that. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I think L is dope. T. La Rock is my man, and T. La Rock is telling me, yo, he took my book and he did this and whatever. I said, okay, I hear you, but, you know, that record is dope. We in, we in, in the Roxy. Mm -hmm. L.O. comes in, he sees me, he's like, yo, I'm, I'm putting you on blast, L, just telling the truth. Yo, what's up, man? People say I rhyme like you, right? But um, you know, I don't, I, I don't do like that. Running them is like that's like baby rhymes to me, baby. You know what I'm saying? That's like baby rhymes. I'd rather do it like you know, like you do it. You know what I'm saying? That, that's that's how I do it. You know what I'm saying? Lick your I, lips now, Mo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, you know, <laughs> oh got L down to a science. So joining us right now on the phone, Dougie Fresh is on the phone right now, so you can tell him live, Dougie Lake, Mo, what you were saying. What D up, Doug? Doug. Yo. Good morning, good morning, everybody. What's good up, morning, late? Good What's up, late? What's up, late, man? <laughs> What's up, hate? What's up, hate? <laughs> 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 oh, man. Say, or, or should I say great? great yeah, that's good. Great. Uh, they all rhyme. That's great. good. That's, that's cool. Great, great, great. Yeah, I was, just, I was just explaining how you took my 1985 summer when I had them for... for oh, my God. When I had them for two weeks with Turn It Up and then, you know, the show in Lottie Dottie. You know, I don't know how that record ever worked, but, you know, I guess they liked it, so... <laughs> I'm doing well, Doug. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, my brother. You too, man. That's an MC. Hey, hey Mo, that's an MC on the phone, B. I know. You know, you know I know the history. All right. All right. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure now. Hey, Doug, you and Mo, April 29th, you know, it's, it's going to be a hell of a show, man, at Center Stage. I'm so looking forward to it. Doug, tell me how it feels for you to have a record like the show, Elodie Dottie, that came out in 80, what, 85? 85, yeah. 
July 80, July it's 85. Not that I'm traumatized. Still, and you can still perform that song, and everybody loved that song in 2017. Man, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, Ed, um, I, I want to I send a special shout-out to uh, my man, Greg G. Yes, Greg, Greg Marius. Marius. Yeah, we were just yeah. talking about him a little bit. This go for, but but the, the the interesting thing about it is that um, I'm gonna tell you a story that is is quick, but it's something that I think people need to know. When in '85, when I was looking to make the show, uh, Greg lent Teddy Riley his equipment because he was into producing music, and me and Greg used to hang out up at you know, Broadway International and a couple of clubs. So I told him, I said, yo, man, I got this idea, but I don't really know where I'm going to put it down at. He said, yo, man, yo, I'll tell you what, why don't you go over Teddy's house? He said, because I got the equipment over there, and if you got the idea, go over there, man, and you can put the idea together over there. Mm -hmm. I said, you sure? I said, I said yeah, that's cool, because me and Teddy went to school together. So I went over to Teddy's house, and that is where I made the show up. And if it wasn't for Greg, wow. um, that record would not have been done. Oh, That's an wow. awesome story, oh, That is an awesome story. Yes, Rest yes, in yes. peace yep. to Greg Marius. People, yep. Most people know him. My audience knows him from the Entertainers Basketball Classic. Yep. A lot of them probably remember the Disco Four. But wow, yeah. dog, that that's pretty damn amazing, man. Yes, dog, yes. Well, I wanted yeah, to man. ask you. It was when did you know? I asked Modus already, but when did you realize that you guys had spread your wings and people from the UK and France and Italy and Germany and everywhere else that we were onto you? When did you realize that? Man, well, my I'm gonna tell you. Well, look, it's so crazy too, cause damn, first of all. I didn't even say hello to my girl, Moni Love. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with me? I apologize, baby. No, first of all, uh -huh. you know what I mean. You know, you know how we get down. But um, it's it, it was we when we went overseas, or when we heard that overseas was responding, we knew that. You know, it was really a big thing because the UK wasn't something that just grabbed hip hop, you know, instantly like that. And Tim Westwood was a friend of mine, and we would talk occasionally, but it wasn't really that deep. But when we went over there with the show in '85 and did Top of the Pops, Top and of the Pops, all of that, wow. yeah, yeah, I mean, it was just wow. one of those magical moments. And I have to say that I think Rick played a major role in that too because people knew that he had family base from the UK, but it was just a song that I think it just caught on, man. I mean, I, when I listen to that, I think of like Before I Let Go. It's just one of those songs like from Frankie Beverly and Mays that no matter where you go, people sing it, they dance to yeah. it, they enjoy it, they celebrate it. Yep. So I could never be more thankful for something like that, you know? Absolutely. When did, when did I'm going to ask both of y'all this question together. When did y'all meet? Do y'all remember meeting each other? Kumo D and Dougie Fresh? The first, oh, the very first time. He didn't tell you the story. No. You, no. you, you go ahead, Doug. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to hear the first time two legends of a, of a genre of music met each other. Kumo D and Dougie Fresh. Dougie, tell me the story. 
well, well, you know, Mo was on Enjoy Records with the Treacherous Three, and I was running around desperately trying to get a record deal. I mean, it was I was I was so hungry because I used to walk up and down 125th Street and Bobby Robinson Record Shop, one of the original records uh, record labels, uh, had let out Treacherous Three, and they had. They had new rap language out. They had body rock out. I mean, yo, they was on fire. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I was like, I said, I heard they come in here. I said, so if I sit here all day, I know I'm gonna be somebody. Some old coming there, and he was fresh all the time. He had the tango, he had the mock neck, he had the British. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I wanna get rich. <laughs> Trust me, Doug, I had everything on me. No money. <laughs> hey, look, my perception was everything. I know. Wow. That's why I bought lavender British walkers. <laughs> you don't buy lavender if you ain't got money. <laughs> and, 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 and he was coming in there, and yo, he was so fresh. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Yes, British sir. Walkers, British walkers was at least $60, $70, $80. That's right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I couldn't even... I was embarrassed to ask my mother for some British walkers. <laughs> so, my bottom line is that I sat in that record shop until I was able to meet him. I met L.A. Special K would come in here occasionally. And then they just knew me as this kid around the block. And I was doing the beatbox and I created this thing that I didn't really jump off yet. So, he knew me. And, and whenever anything happened now to this day, and we get into an argument or something or a disagreement. He say, "Yo, I want you to remember who legs you went through." You know what I'm saying on B Street. You remember who legs you went through, Because in that scene in B Street, I had to go through his legs. Yeah, yeah. That made the trauma a little less. At least I got to humiliate you a little bit. So that was fun. Yeah, nah. It's uh, it's one of them relationships, man. That you know you can't. You know, there's no way to really explain it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, Mo is, Mo is my brother. You know, that's basically it. There's no words to describe it other than that. You the, know part, I mean? the part two of that story is uh, the Busy B thing that we were just talking about. Right. They had, oh, the, yeah. they had the professional side, which was later, and the, and the quote-unquote amateur newcomer side or whatever. And Doug was in the newcomer side, and I was the host. And I never forget, Doug was coming up. He, he needed to come up with something. He's, he's this way to this day. He has to come up with something that nobody's doing for the call and response thing. So he didn't have come, he didn't have come again then. But what Doug came up with at 14 years old was, bang your heads on the wall. Just like, and I remember looking at him like, you really expect that to happen? And he was dead serious. Hey, but I got everybody. Attention. Yeah, I got you, everybody's attention. Yes, you did, but they looked at you, but like it was like, what the, you know, what's what? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, man, that's hip hop, bro. Absolutely. At 14 years old, you asking people to bang their heads on yes. the wall, man? Yes. Hey, hey Ed, I'm going to tell you, it, it's memorable to this day. All of the guys that was in the contest remember that I Absolutely, said. Absolutely, because it was left. And the, right, and the Clap your heads, laughed. everybody. Throw you know, your hands in the air. So now bang your heads on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> What's this you know, guy? <laughs> That's exactly. You know, the audience started laughing. So yes, they hard. did. Yes, they then did. I got him. Once, hey, hey, once I put the laugh in there, yeah. they was ready. They was ready. <laughs> <laughs> was Absolutely. Crazy, Absolutely. Doug, were you always rhyming from the start, or you were just beatboxing in the beginning? 
No, no, I was MC straight up. I mean, rhyming, rhyming is definitely my thing. You know, but what happened is that when I created the beatbox, it was just one of those things where I had to divide the time because Barry B from uh, from the Get Fresh crew, as well as Chill Will, when we was going to school, uh-huh. you know, they seen me creating this thing, and 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 he told me to do it outside at a jam, and I was like, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, and then and and then when I did it everybody went crazy. And then when they went crazy, I had to learn how to divide the time because the beatbox was so different and it was like in a world of its own that I had to figure out. I said, do I want to do this or do that? And to do both of them very well, it takes time to, you know, you got to break up the skill, you know? Right. What did you- and then there's, then there's other parts of it. Like, like people don't understand how Crowd participation is a skill within itself. Yes, sir. You see what I'm saying? Like that is a that is a different skill. So I had to learn that from Hollywood and Love Bug and Busy B and and then you know and then I looked at the rhymes that I used to study: Kaz, Melly Mel, Modi. Those were the three that you would study when it came to rhymes. And then the beatbox, there was nothing to study. It was just me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So and then Cass wasn't dancing, Ed. Cass wasn't dancing, and I was from Harlem. So you better dance if you come from Harlem. You right. Know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that's a whole different aesthetic then, man. Uh, Modi, after you you and LL got into it, was there, did there ever become a time when it really got hot and heavy that you guys sat down and was like, okay, let's... Nah, you know, and I was, uh, the, the the story that I didn't finish was uh, uh, after L did the thing, we met met at the Rocks, and he was saying, you know, I don't, I don't mind like running them because they like, those are like baby rhymes, and I, you know, I'd rather do it more intricate, and I'm this and that, and Tila Rock is on this side of me saying, just get him to the stage, man, just get him to the stage, <laughs> and, and L is over here like that, and, you know, and he was, L, that's, the first thing I noticed was the energy on L was crazy. Like, right. I said, this dude is young, he loves hip-hop, and he's just raw. And he's hungry. So he, and, and he was just like, yo, man, you know what I'm saying? Yo, 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 you know what I'm saying? They said rhyme like running them, but, you know, that, that's how they baby rhyme. You know what I'm saying? I, I like to do more intricate, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he was just really, he was real intense. And Tila Rock is over here real cool, so he just get him to the stage. So we get up to the stage on the Roxy, and, you know, I'm the OG at the time, because, again, old school to the third power is what I tell people, because we were supposed to be <laughs> done by 85 for everybody in that era. So I'm introducing them. I'm like, you know, we got two new young lines in the building, blah, blah, blah. I did a rhyme. I said, but I'm introducing uh, Tila Rock and LL Cool J. And, you know, crowd is like, they know him, but they don't know him yet. So they like give it a little, little golf clap or whatever. I do my rhyme. Tila Rock does his rhyme. And then L gets on and does not pass it back. Like he just going and going and going. Todd made it. Shot, shot, to pace, that's the pace yeah. today. That he's going. I'm like, he's not in touch with the crowd. But this one is dead serious about his MC. Like he he is like he blacked out. And I remember T Rock walking off the stage and I was like, I don't know, dude. I hear you. <laughs> but um he got his own thing. Whatever it is, he got his thing. And 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 when he gets a hit, I remember telling him, when he gets a hit, it's gonna be a problem. Long story short, L comes to my college the next about two weeks later, a week later. And he's with some guys at Queens that went to college with me and they knocking on my door. Yo, Mo, we got LL out here. I'm like, get out of here. Yo, for real, we got LL. And then L comes, and I had a girl in the room. And I didn't want to let them in. Right. And I didn't want to acknowledge that he really was there. 
So I'm like, y'all are playing around, whatever, man. And he said, no, 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 go on, say something, L. And because he was young, the older cat's like, yo, rhyme for him. He'll know what's you then. And they start beating on my door. And L is literally rhyming. And you know, again, the long, long, long rhyme. So now I'm irritated. I know it's him. And I'm like, that was a terrible LL, Colin. Like, you know, I made it like right. I didn't think it was him. So they're like, ooh, and they're walking out. And I heard him say, that's all right, man. He's old school. He washed anyway. And he's like, oh! And the door closed. Now I want to come out like, what did he say? Like, whatever. So from that point on, that's where the ego stuff started. So when right after that, Crush Crew came out and on Rock the Bells, because he said the wash thing, I connected it. You know how MC Ego goes. Right. Washed up rappers want to do this. Well, Rock the Bells. Talk about me. He said I was washed before he left. So then we go to that. He's doing the subliminal stuff. And just like you said with the Busy B, I'm like, nah, the lower level lackluster last leaf, lip, lip. I did that thing or whatever. So we never got into a space where we had a conversation other than when he heard about uh, Let's Go, the, the lower level, he walked up. And this is the thing about L2. I realized it wasn't like fear on him. You know, that, that you know, MCs have egos and you that crew, yeah, man, you're, you don't want nothing like. Right. He didn't have that. He was like, yo, man, I ain't living in limbo no more. Like, he just walked up to me and gave me a pound. Like, <laughs> I ain't living in limbo no more. I'm like, what? And running him was like, yo, y'all going to do it? And he was at the Bobby Brown concert. I'll never forget this. Bobby Brown's doing Tenderoni. And he said, I got some special guests in here. And LL walks out and he starts rhyming. And he did the same thing he did at the Roxy. Tenderoni. Boop the bottle He's rhyming like this. is And it's Tenderoni on. I'm like, what's he doing? So again, I walk out on stage. while he, I wait till he, you know, crowd's like sitting there to get antsy. Bobby's sitting in the back like, I ain't going to diss him because it's L. And he's waiting, but he still want to go out there, whatever. So I just walk up on stage and throw my hands up. And crowd's like, ah, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. I didn't do nothing, but I just walked in front of him and he just... He stopped rhyming. He put the mic in my chest like that, and I just left it like that, and the mic dropped. Now, depending on perspective, a Hollywood was like, he handed him over the mic, and he ain't touch it. And then he did the, you can't hold the same mic as me. He did the uh, Jingling Baby record. Okay. So I'm like, okay. So we, it was, for me, prolonged about a year too long just because you like who you like. And in hip-hop, the mythology is most people like both people. Like, I like Jay-Z and Nas. Right. They do what they do, but I don't not like him because I thought that record was hot. None of that. So I'm like... What are we actually fighting for? So it got to a point to me, and I'll never forget it. The New York Awards, they booed both of us just from saying our names. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the five artists for the 1989, blah, 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 blah. The winner is, I mean, uh, the nominees are De La Soul, uh, LL Cool J, boo. I was feeling good for yeah. a minute. Cool Mo D, boo. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Houdini and somebody else. And I forgot who. I think De La Soul won that, the New York Awards in, in the Beacon Theater. Right. And when those boos happened, I was like, they're tired of us doing this. So, and right after that, he did um, uh, uh, Mama Said Knock You Out. He did the, uh, no, 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 the, the Less Than Zero soundtrack. Yeah. Okay. Less Than Zero soundtrack or whatever. Phenomenon and, or I'm that type of no, guy. No, no, the Less Than Zero. The Less Than Zero soundtrack. He just did the movie uh, Hard Way. Okay. He just did the movie and, and, uh, Mama said, knock you out. That was the song on the record, on, okay. on the thing. So, And then he blew again. And for me, I didn't want to answer then because I was like, now it looks like you're chasing. This is, this is getting, it's getting to a point where it feels whack to me. Like, I don't feel this way about this. And that's the other thing, too. I don't feel that way about him. Like, I think he's a dope MC. Now, how do you say that after all the shit you done popped? Like, okay, yeah, L is dope. Like, not now, dude. <laughs> not right. while he's hot and your record crazy. ain't out. It, now it crazy. looks even crazier. Doug, Doug, ain't that crazy, Doug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is absolutely... Now, Doug, I've, I watched, I've, I watched I've, it all go down. I was on the side of the stage when Mo battled, when Mo came out and that battle happened with Busy B. Uh -huh. I, was, I was I was, 14, sitting on the side. I watched that. And and when this thing happened with him and uh, L, 
I watched that too. I was watching how that whole thing unfolded. It was uh, it was very very interesting because I'm I'm cool with both of them. You know what I mean? Right. So when there's a battle, you know you gotta people want you to pick a side. I'm like I'm not picking no goddamn side. Doug, <laughs> <laughs> you y'all you y'all never really really got into it, but there was a few shots in your direction. Oh well, I mean. Running, running them took a clear shot oh, at you. Yeah, yeah, Started yeah, yeah. in the alley. Now we're chilling Cali, and I won't yeah. trade my deeds for no bullshit ballots. Nah, nah, I'll fix that shot. I'll fix that <laughs> shot. I'll fix that shot. I come, All I way come to from heaven. the world. Of, I come from the world of battle, and so, so my and and my thing is that most people would underestimate the way that I would tear them apart. You know what I mean? Because. I don't really go that route unless I have to. But I I was on tour with them and they and they did that one time on stage. So I had to come out and I had to you know, I let it go one night and then I asked, Well, I said, Yo, Will, do they know that we doing like two, three dates with them and they still saying that? And they say he said, Nah man, nah, that's just the way they do their routine. Don't worry about it. I said, All right. So the next day I heard him do it again. I said, Yo, I can't let that go by now because it's crazy. You know, you know, you young, you got that ego, right? Mm-hmm. So I got on, so I got on the stage, and I put this little thing together because I'm pretty quick on just improvising. So I came up with something, and when I came up with something, after I finished that, then Run came into the room, and he was like, "Yo, man, we didn't mean no harm." Da 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 da. You know, it was like, you know, we were just talking. You know, we were just doing our routine. I said, "Nah, I understand." I said, but you know, you can't just do that. You know what I mean? When when you got somebody on the show, I said, we didn't even come at you on the record. I said, but I can't let you do that live. And right. then after that, we started laughing. And, you know, he said, I'm sorry. And we became friends. You know, I mean, we was never not friends. But I felt like instead of me making a record about him, I'm going to go at him live. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And squash the whole thing. Now, Doug, I've right. interviewed you before and I... And but uh, this audience doesn't know. Is it extremely true? And you told me this before that there is another verse to Lottie Dottie. Absolutely, absolutely. We Please explain. <laughs> well, the the second part of Lottie Dottie we did not put on the record because it had Vanessa Williams' name in it, and we felt like that was just entirely too disrespectful. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. From the point of view, even though it was a joke, but it was just something that was disrespectful. And, you know, the joke went too far from the point of view that, you know, I'm I'm 17 years old. You know, Rick is 18, whatever, 19. And, and it's like we're joking around. But to take the joke that far, it wasn't like, you know, it would have landed in a very negative way. But years later, Biggie came out dissing everybody on one joint. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, right. So in a way, it kind of tells you the tone yeah. of the way that hip-hop was, mm-hmm. and it tells you how we were we were raised. You know, because Luke reminded me that we were the first group to ever have an explicit sticker on hip-hop. Wow. You know what I mean? And, and Lottie Dottie was explicit only because we, you know, we was cursing on it. And at that time, you know, Ed, people wasn't cursing Mm-mm. on hip hop records. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? They even so beat. Kinda, I'm yeah, sorry. I I said, the on, on, the, on the message, they even beat people on the stairs. They just yeah, don't they care. Sure they did. beat it. That's right. Right. 
Right. And we up there, you all, you can see the best. You know, we, we going in. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the but but the second the second part I don't know one day when we hook up I gotta let you we got it on cassette I gotta let you hear it it's crazy I would absolutely love to hear that you ever it's heard crazy. of Modi nah, nah I would absolutely love to hear the next verse right. to yeah, Lottie the, next, Dottie. the last verse is bananas and that's <laughs> funny I, I flew I flew uh, we did the uh, at at Essence like three years ago four years ago now and I flew back with Kanye. And I was telling what we did and we, you know, doing the McDonald's thing and how y'all had to change the words up because McDonald's extremely conservative on the corporate side. Mm -hmm. And Kanye was like, nah, man, they should have said the wrinkle, everything. They should have said everything. Just keep it. <laughs> it's hip hop. They should have just went. I, matter of fact, I'd have done it because it's McDonald's. I was like, okay, Kanye, <laughs> we can't do it that way. You you are at a little more comfortable space financially. Right. You know, shutting shutting cats down, you know, and, and you know, money is relative because I, I swear back in the day, Two fifty a set of cat for life, two hundred fifty thousand, right. and and right. now cats look at that like yeah that's like you know, that's per diem, you know, <laughs> depending on who right. you are. That's jet money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's jet money for one trip. But it's been man, it's it's from the time that you guys have started in hip hop to where it is now. Hip hop has become a business, but for you just digging into it, it wasn't about money. Yeah, because there was no nah. money, no money to be made yet. <laughs> nah, nah. When do you guys think it became about money? Uh, for Whoa. me, yeah, for you, Mo. For me, I look at it eighties, nineties. It's a it's a paradigm shift because what I love about and and for me, even when I did the book, I, my whole thing is in, in the love space of hip hop or whatever. Like, cats are like I can't believe you gave LL like no, LL's a dope MC. I'm not gonna change that because ah, we had a bad night. It's real. What is real is real. Right. Um, Russell, Puffy. In particular, those are the main two. But you can go to Baby and you can go to Master P and Catchler of that nature. But it's really Russell and Puffy. End of the 80s, into the early 90s, where we started looking at it from the executive space and saying, because remember, we had Sylvia Robinson and Bobby Robinson. They made mm -hmm. money, but they didn't look at it as a business. They looked at it almost like right. drugs. You know, get the quick money, get it, because it's going to be a fad. Like, they bought into the fad idea. Russell's the first guy that treated the artists like artists. I remember him... I remember being at a radio station and hearing him curse somebody out about not putting a Houdini record on. Like, literally curse her, and I'm in the South or whatever, and, be, and because me, Houdini, and, and Heavy D are the first radio playable MCs. While, while Frankie Crock is doing that no-no rap or whatever, that's starting to fade out. And when you get to 86, 87, and 88, you start to get mainstream radio stations, black radio stations in particular, that would play hip-hop. I remember going on tour, and they would say, we still don't play rap. We'll play the instrumental, and you can come in and do an interview. And because I'm, you know, I'm who I was, like, nah, I'm not doing it. If they don't play the record, I'll go to BET, forget MTV, blah, blah, blah. So the rated record company hated me for that. But at the end of the day, I saw the business side of the stuff coming in because they wanted a piece of the hip-hop, but they still didn't want to really promote it. I think Russell created a space where he made them respected as an art form, and then Puffy just straight up with the baller mentality right. and the videos and all of that. That put cats in a space where you need to be making money if you're going to do this. Mm. To me, for you, Doug, right, what did it become? It's uh, <clears throat> it's like a delay on this phone when I'm talking. I don't know what it is. You late? You late? That's so, all. Excuse me. It's a delay, <laughs> not late. Delay. You late? You, you late? I'm saying. Go ahead. So, so. Now, for me, it's never been about money for me. Uh, I've never, you know, to be very real with you, I've never had a job, you know. So this is what I've been doing ever since I was 
14 years old, I think wow. before this, I was selling papers and trying to pack bags in the supermarket. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And before that, basically, I went when I went to school, the last year when I was in school, I couldn't finish. They had to give me my work to take on the road because the record blew up. The records blew up. So, you know, and I learned from a generation of hip-hop that there was a lot of integrity. And the thing that I think kept the integrity there was that if you was called a biter, oh, my God, that hasn't been the worst thing in the world to be called. You know what I mean? Like, you would rather be shot than (laughs) to be called a biter of somebody's style. And I think it kept hip-hop pure. I think it made you extend and reach and go further than the normal because it was the integrity of the craft and it wasn't the money. It was just, you could not come around another person's neighborhood and say their rhymes and hold your head up. You can learn from them. You can, you can take ingredients from that recipe, but you cannot make that same food. If you do that, you are a biter. So I just think that, I grew up at a time when I learned that and when I learned that skill of just having to dig in deep to make up your own unique style. And that's why Rick's style was so unique. And, you know, when we gravitated towards each other, it was because you wanted to make up something that made hip hop bigger. You didn't want to just make money from it. You were more concerned with making this thing world worldly accepted. That was mm-hmm. my goal, and 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 I and I hit the I hit the target, and then I realized later when I made money because at seventeen years old, you know I made I made a million dollars or more than a million dollars, made a couple of million dollars at seventeen years old. Wow. So then I learned I learned the gift. I learned that passion makes money. Money don't make passion. You see what I'm saying? Right. So for me, I still roll with the same level of integrity. Every time I'm performing, every time I'm doing a show, every time I'm having a conversation about it, I get wrapped up in it. Me and Mo will be on the phone for hours talking about tapes that happened in hip-hop from way back then till now. Even when I deal with all of the new artists that come out, I talk to them and I tell them, I say, you know, um, I'm always pushing to a lot of them now about their health because for some reason, you know, when you're younger, you feel like, you know, you, you know, you can't be defeated. You know, you, you won't, nothing won't happen. But if y'all are drinking heavy, smoking heavy, you know, using lean and pills and stuff like that, you know, you, you cutting yourself short. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I talk to them about that. I talk to them about, you know, their diet, you know, eating a particular way because you think that, you know, this won't affect you. But, you know, over 40 million people got diabetes out here. You yeah. See what I'm saying? So it's going to affect so, you in the long so, run. Right. So I'm 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 looking at it as I understand it's about money because money is what we need to survive. But I've always felt that if your skills and if your integrity is true when it comes to hip hop, you'll you you know you'll create the money. You will create the money because you'll be so good. People will always want you. So you know I do 180 shows a year. Wow. You know what I mean? Or, and, and, yeah, he's and out of control. On, out of control. On word of mouth. <laughs> right. That's amazing, you know? dog. Yeah. 
Absolutely I amazing. Pre- I still appreciate hip hop, and I still appreciate it, and I still listen to uh, a guy rhyme. I listen to what his style is. People still take me in the corner and say, "Could I spit, you know, sixteen bars?" And, you know, sometimes I tell them sixteen is too long. Now you may have to make it twelve. You, know <laughs> <laughs> you may have to give me that hot eight real quick and let me go about my business, but but I'm a, but I'm gonna listen to it. People's attention time. People's attention span, span is yeah. short these days. That's baby. right. I ain't got time for sixteen, bro. I got yeah, but a lot of time, right. a lot of times, with, from generation <laughs> to generation, I think this generation has a. Uh, it's easier on one level, but it's harder on another level because the 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 paradigm shifts and what it takes to do your craft has a lot more to do with how it shifts. Because I remember when we first started making records, it got to a space where part of the job was you have to be. I remember literally the record label would say. We don't have nothing for radio. Like, we'll send your whole album back if you don't give us something for the radio. Right. So now you're thinking outside of just natural hip-hop, you're thinking of angles and gimmicks and catch. You start to think, which is cool because it pushes you creatively on one hand, mm-hmm. and it also eliminates a certain level of what you're talking about in terms of the integrity. So I, for me, the reason why I give so much uh, love to a lot of the younger cats is I know how hard it must be to try to come up with something unique be a little different. I mean, I know there's a lot of guys that sound alike and do the same thing, mm-hmm. but for the ones that break through, the Kanye's that break through, like, you know, I have I have young cats that I really, really enjoy. Like, I love J. Cole. Like, he's just an MC to me that I just inter... Yeah, I in- like him too. I enjoy the way he approaches it. I like uh, uh, Kendrick. I like, uh, you know, um, what's my other man? Uh, uh, Big Sean. Like, I like the way they approach it. So, a lot of times, we get caught up in what the single is, what the hit is, what the profile is or whatever, and we don't go as deep anymore as we used to in terms of listeners. Like, you know, you might have to go to an LL album or a Kane album and hear something like Immortal Kombat on Kane's album, which you know is not the single, but you get your your Kane love off in that record because it's like, you know, and I crushed the mother, you know, Kane would go right. off on the... Uh, break up, say, make him say, Daddy, I don't want none. Not because not because he used my record, but I'm saying he he definitely, <laughs> oh, he, he, he definitely killed it lyrically. And I'm saying there's there's Rakim. To me, the 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 first MC, or probably the second, because Mel was first. The second MC I was actually in awe of. I remember hearing Rakim, and I'm driving in my car, and he said, "Rhymes are poetically kept and alphabetically stepped, put in an order to proceed with the momentum." Except I say one rhyme out of order, longer rhyme, shorter, or pause, sure. but don't stop the tape recorder. I pulled my car over and stopped because I'm like, I have to listen to this guy. Right. <laughs> and and the funny thing again is, you know, for me at least, you know, for what my ego was, you know when the tide is turning. It's like a fo- a, a boxer in the ring, and you get punched with something. You may smile and say no. You know that just hurt, and you don't want to come in there no more. And that's I'm gonna just keep this cat at the end of the jab, and I'll stink the rest of the fight out because I see what's happening. Wow! So I enjoy watching those guys come through and do what they do. And then the next paradigm shift is yeah. Biggie, because I didn't I didn't give Biggie the the respect at the very beginning because I heard Party and Bullshit. That was the first record uh-huh. that everybody because I was in California at the time and I was here and I was like, what, what's what's the special thing about this guy? So Matty Rich is from Brooklyn and and Reggie McFadden, the comedian from Brooklyn, they swear by Biggie. We going to the store. The record the album's coming out. That's where we sitting outside the front of the tower. They literally waiting. The guy's coming in. They're going to pick it. They're going to get the first copy. I'm like, y'all are really like on some groupy thing right now. They threw the Biggie joint in, and he does the, the skit, you know, the opening. You'll be back in it. You won't see me back in this. Back in the days, which Gazette says, Gazelle says. And I'm like, okay, he got a little tone or whatever. When it got to give me the loot, I'm sitting there with the screw face on. 
boom. And I'm, I'm like, well, he ain't nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm saying he ain't nothing, but I'm doing this the whole time. <laughs> and I'm like, motherfucking right. My pocket's looking kind of tight, and I'm stressed. Yo, Biggie, pass the fucking, yo, no need for that. Just pass the fucking gat. I'm like, this, yo, play that again. Play that again. And I went instantly, same thing that happened with Creole. I'm on Love Bug, and then I'm on Furious. The same thing happened. Right. I'm not really giving Biggie the props. And after Give Me the Loot and forget about by the time he gets to warning, I'm like, okay, I, I see what the hype is. Like, sometimes you get caught in the hype and yeah. think it's just hype. Then I'm like, no, this dude. And again, he's in a different lane. He's not in the lane that we're used to. It's almost like he took the 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 gutter side of, 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 of New York and did what the West Coast is already doing with their side. Right. And I'm like, nah. I Doug, you are, Doug, you were involved with one of the most influential MCs ever. Uh, right. A guy who I don't think when people talk about top MCs, I don't think Slick Rick gets his just due because when you hear oh, man. when you hear a Biggie, Ooh. when you hear yes. a Biggie do that, Story to tell. two different yeah, yeah, people yeah. on a record, that's Rick. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know it's funny too because um, the the first thing that when Mo said the thing about party and bullshit, I like that record because my sample was in there too. By the way, Mo, <laughs> you know shameless saying? plug, shameless plug. Right, 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 right. But no, but with Rick, man. You know, Rick was uh, was a guy that that his style was was so unique, yes. and I think that it was something that people it was way off the curve, and and that's the thing that I'm explaining about hip hop. Like I had to make my style unique, and 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 Rick came with a whole unique style, and Incredible. it was just when you listen to the way that he put the words together and he got into the personalities. You remember the rapper Jimmy Spicer when he yeah, absolutely. stories and all of that. I mean, you know, we you know, you, you would hear him get into the character Stereo. of the way he would rhyme. Right, right. right. <laughs> and Rick but Rick what he would do is he would go into these multiple characters and 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 when he went into those characters, he really embodied the character. Like yeah. he just really became that character. And the other thing is that when when he used to write his rhymes, he would take a long time to write it because he would write it, rewrite it. He would say, uh, No, I don't like this part, I will come up with this part like and then he would come back and ask me what I thought and I would tell him what I felt and then sometimes he'll come back and change change it again because he wasn't satisfied with the way that the story built. You wow. know what I mean? And stories was his main thing. Like the, the when when he came out with his album, he came by my house and he let me hear the album and I was telling him, This is the song that you this is the song that's gonna take you to the next level and I was telling him children's story because I remember the rhyme from a while ago, but the rhyme had a different ending to it. You see, like Lottie Dottie, like there was always some kind of different piece that he had or I would have that we wouldn't use. So when I heard the children's story rhyme, I said, man, this rhyme is crazy. I said, but what's going to happen with this album is that this album is going to be a blueprint for a lot of people because you use so many different flows That's and right. so many different styles on this album that people may not appreciate it to the fullest when it first come out but they'll appreciate it later. And I think that when you talk to any MC who's a real MC, they'll listen to that album and they'll say to themselves that Slick Rick has definitely pound for pound one of the uh, top, most influential uh, hip-hop artists ever to come out. Yeah, and that's for damn sure, man. Hands down. Like, I mean, you know, no matter how much you want to 
say he's not this, he's not that. There's so many ingredients in the way that he put his thing together that there's no possible way that you could walk away and say that this guy didn't have some influence, whether it right. was East Coast, West Coast, Dirty South. I mean, I listen to all of these songs. When he was playing the Hot Boys, I'm listening to Little Wayne saying, "No, no, 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 no we didn't." Right. You know, and 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 so and and I didn't realize this until uh, somebody told me about it that um, we have the most sampled hip hop song of all times. You know, like right. like it's damn near like close to seven, eight hundred samples wow. of Lottie Dottie. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the only songs higher than that, I think, is James Brown and 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 somebody else. I don't know what it is, but it's because of I think the influence of just what we were doing at the time. It was so genuine, you know. There was nothing attached to it. So I still feel to this day that the formula is when you have passion about what you're doing. The creativity will reign above all. It will. It will go. It will smash everything else because you're creative. You're making like you're not. You're not. You're not fearful. You're fearless. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. You're still taking that chance. Where guys don't want to take that chance no more. Well, I think because of, in many ways we get a little myopic with hip hop, especially with our taste. You know, you you like I like Rakim for a totally different reason than I love Chuck D, for a totally right. different reason than I love Rick. So it's like you're getting different flavors, and it's almost like trying to compare flavors for the purposes of you know. Sometimes I call it the Eurocentric: who's the best, who's the greatest. I'm like, nah. If somebody's a four, you can't you can't really compare Bill Russell. To Michael Jordan. That's right. You know what I mean? They're playing different positions. They dominate at what they do, but it's totally a point guard is totally different from a from a center in terms of what right. you do. So I'm listening to Rick's storytelling acumen. And again, I just told him before you got on the air, that's the whole reason that I shifted into the go see the doctor mode. Because I'm right. like, I have to come into another lane. It's almost like you go from the starter to the sixth that man on the bench. Crazy. Yeah. That again? That, yeah, that hey, influence that was- right there is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so and, 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 that, and, was, and that was Greg Greg was a part of that, that label too, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 wow. yeah. Absolutely. R I L. Absolutely. Greg Marius, uh Gus, Weber, and Teddy. They would do, they were doing rooftop records because they were yeah. at the rooftop. Yeah. But absolutely. yeah, man, I'm just saying and, and and that's the last thing I say too again for the for the elders. It's kinda on us to keep that communication, to break that communication gap. I know a lot of cats absolutely. don't want to listen, but I think part of the, the divide in hip hop that, that makes us suffer is we don't get the wisdom from the elders and the youth, and we don't get the energy. I'm saying the youth don't get the wisdom from the elders, and from the elders, we don't get the energy from the youth because that's right. where the real balance is. Because no, there's, right. nothing you can, there's nothing you can do that's going to replace young. Like, I watch cats on stage and how they move and how they dance. What if that's just your frequency? I think if we ever merged it, man, it'll be on some next-level kind of real, real uh, connectivity on the success side of it because – like I said, being older and learning from the guys that come after you is part of the cycle for me, the the natural cycle. Right. So I listen to cats to see what they're doing and how they're approaching it or whatever. And, yeah, you still do you the way you do you. But, you know, again, like you said, not biting, but you have to understand this is the new dynamic. Yeah, it came from you on one level, but they're adding their own twist to it. So it's like you keep that cycle going. So I, I love I love Rick. The moment I feared was mind-blowing. Oh, me. my God. 
Boogie down, yeah, what's performing? Yeah, that ain't no joke. That, we gotta hey. get out of this damn studio because somebody's getting ready to come in here. But y'all two know I can talk to y'all all damn yes, day yes, long. Yes, yes, hey, yes. Hey, Ed, Ed, man, we appreciate you, man, and you, Moni. You know I love you to death. I appreciate this interview, man. It's always good to talk to you, Ed. And and I'm gonna tell you, y'all two, you know, y'all two are together, man. That's like a that's like an incredible team, man. I'm glad that y'all absolutely. Are, you Thank know, you. Doing this vibe Pre- precedes Michael Smith and Jamel on the six. I love it. Hey, we need to be on that six. Hey, absolutely. <laughs> April 29th, man. Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick. We are in the building. We will definitely see y'all there. See Ed Love and Trevor Money Love. Appreciate you, Doug. All right, brother. Love you, bro. Love you, Mo. Cool, cool, cool. Appreciate you, brother. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 